And the takeaway was really, it, it completely changed my life, you know? So I went from waking up and my brain not turning on to really like 11, mm-hmm. 11 a.m. As a result, I never, I like basically cheated my way through high school Well, I dropped off my senior year and then <laughs> tested out by going to a university kind of thing. Like I basically didn't, I couldn't have a regular job or even do really well in school because I was just never awake. You, like if you literally looked at my grade point averages, it would be like any class that's before uh, 11 o'clock, I would just like get a C in or a D. And it wasn't wow. that I wasn't good. It's just like, I wasn't awake. Like I just never, I think I set the highest. I remember in high school, I had like 180 late days or something like that, wow. like basically every day. But really, you know, moving into Brain FM and, and finding it and, and discovering it, over the first two weeks, it, it dramatically changed my life mm-hmm. where I was like, I have control now. And, uh, you know, just this morning, I actually woke up at 5 a.m. and I did a meditation and then go into Brain FM. And that's my schedule now. And, you know, from that, not only has it inspired me to work at, for the company where I started working for free and then, you know, ended up, you know, running the company, but really I've been trying to figure out and, and, and iterate and building the product as I can give that same control and that ability to everyone that uses Brain FM. And that's really the the funding and the starting point of how do we spread this and give, you know, a million people or more the ability to control their mental state on demand. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. Feeding Curiosity is a podcast that explores the precarity of human experience and we challenge ourselves and others to think, question, and synthesize wherever their curiosity takes them. It is through conversation that we hope to provide blueprints for others to learn and lead a more fulfilling life. On today's episode, I'm joined by Dan Clark, CEO of Brain FM. BrainFM is an innovative technology company that helps users be more productive through the use of functional music created by composers and artificial intelligence. Dan has been in love with technology and its potential to positively impact the world for as long as he can remember. From building websites when he was 13, starting a design and advertising business at 18, and driving millions in revenue for multinational brands as a director for a boutique ad agency. As CEO of BrainFM, Dan is constantly striving to build a company that can not only change the world through music, but also be one of the best companies for people to work for and grow with. My conversation with Dan today really is centered around the idea of building a company with technology backed by science. And I really enjoy the neuroscience that goes into the Brain FM's technology and, and just how having that robust backbone of letting the the science inform the product and then the product informing the science is really cool for me. And not only that, but how it's morphed not only from a focus standpoint, probably a couple of years ago where it only had music, but since then, and now it's evolved further with having uh, mindfulness and meditation and also sleep music as well. It's really fun for me. And the other part of this is, is, how I see the world where when I get interested in something, I want to understand it even more and and share that with people. And so this is my way of giving back to not only the people who create awesome products, but to give more information to people out there who may not be using that because I didn't ask to be paid for this. I did this on my own accord 
to reach out to Brain FM as a user and as a person who's interested in it. I want to be upfront with that because I know some people really don't know where it lies with sponsorship and things like that. So Brain FM did not sponsor this episode. For me, it's just fun to be able to understand things that might work for other people that may not need to buy a drug or, or a supplement in, in that normal way. I really just enjoy music in all ways. Beyond talking about just Brain FM, we really get into just leadership techniques, growth mindset, and just broader ways of helping step into your life with more awareness and more deliberate attention. With that, everyone, please enjoy this conversation with Dan Clark. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. In today's episode, we're joined by CEO of Brain FM, Dan Clark. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. As as great as we can be in these uh, crazy times that we're all in right now. I think, honestly, one of the best places to start is just to kind of elaborate what Brain FM is, because given the scenario where a lot of us are doing a lot of the same repetitive things at home or just stuck in the same environment, having something like Brain FM, which is music that can help us either focus or calm ourselves down, I think is really important. Yeah, of course. So uh, Brain FM, we create functional music to help you focus, relax, and sleep better on demand. Basically, we are creating music from the ground up to be functional by adding in different kinds of patterns and uh, modulations that we've been able to discover and patent with science and scientific testing to basically speed up the change of mental states. So being able to lock into focus, or specifically uh, a modality of focus like deep work or creativity or relaxing or sleeping. Yeah, it's really cool for me because one of the things that I've done in my own research kind of finding Brain FM by accident was going down the rabbit hole of music because one thing that I've always done, not only in podcasting, but I just love the format of audio. There's something about audio for me that I can focus better, be it podcasting Mm -hmm. or music or like I can throw on like a chill beat of some sort and just use that as like a way to drown out background noise. And then I can do whatever I'm trying to focus on before I understood that there was science behind rhythms and different frequency tones and things like that. So could you elaborate on like, how did you discover that there was this secret power to music, I guess, because it's intuitive to most of us. That music does something. (laughs) Yeah, uh, happy to dive in. So, you know, I think I have a very unique story where I actually didn't create Brain FM. I was one of the first users instead. I came into it. I remember trying it for the first time and taking off my headphones and being like, holy wow, (laughs) this is crazy. And then I, I dove into science myself, you know, really wanted to do it to like figure out why it was working or if it was like this placebo effect, you know, that could be. And my background is really, I've done every kind of nootropic, any kind of diet, all these different kinds of things to help me work and focus because I used to be a developer and I used to work from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. pretty much every night because I could find my flow state faster and do more work. So I just kind of always did that. And I came across Brain FM and again, that... I just saw what this was capable of. So, you know, that's kind of how I came into the the program. 
I think it's important to note that actually Brain FM. So I guess first off is I was super skeptical using it the first time because it sounds so obvious. Like obviously music can help us, you know, focus, relax, and sleep. But really what sets Brain FM apart is actually we have all this brand new technology. So this has been tried to do, been done before in the past with binaural beats and isochronic mm-hmm. tones. And this is actually a brand new technology called neural phase locking. And basically the difference is that your brain is super advanced. So we have to have super advanced things to be able to help, you know, aid in the, in the, the process that you're doing. So what we're really looking at is how can we align the phase in your brain? You can kind of think of it like this. When we add certain patterns and modulations, it's kind of like a light shining into your eye. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a reaction. Your pupil will contract. When we play music and we use our AI to basically assist in the music creation, we're actually changing and have a reaction in your brain and we're redirecting blood flow in your brain by just listening to the music. And obviously there's more science we can dive into. Yeah, absolutely. um, But that's really why, yeah, that's all the effect is working and happening and why we're growing so quickly. Wow. Okay. So that's really interesting because I think I had first used this early on and there wasn't there wasn't the differentiation prior with like the sleep meditation and the different kinds of focus. What you're doing there is you're able to kind of tap into different areas of the brain or brain waves to target different types of focus or even relaxation to downregulate, I guess would be the right word. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's some, I guess there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but but in its general sense is that your brain is communicating to itself. And what happens is we're aligning, and that's the, the process, we're aligning the neurons in your brain mm-hmm. to all fire in the same phase. So you can th- kind of think about, about it in another metaphor, it'd be like a Christmas tree that's plugging and blinking all different times. And then by listening to the music, we're actually syncing all the lights to blink at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Just uh, putting putting pieces together as you're explaining it. (laughs) Yeah, 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 of course. So I think that that is, you know, it's fun and it's interesting. You know, it's also interesting because there's a lot of, because this has been done before and and like subliminal messaging and binaural beats and all that stuff is kind of like pop science left over from the 70s. -hmm. We actually, you know, dispel a lot of like the right things and the wrong things. So like, you know, the different kinds of, you know, I guess, delta patterns and alpha patterns and all that stuff. Our brain is actually doing all of those all at the same time, right? And what we're trust trying to do is help people actually go in and out of those because you can't stay in one area for a really long time because our brain normalizes to things. Right. So if, if a car was backing up, beep, 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 eventually won't hear it anymore. Right. So because our brain is so, you know, it's always trying to reach homeostasis and normalization. That's why we have like 3D sound and different kinds of things to basically make sure that the effect is always working. And then why science is a huge pillar of this whole company, because not only do we, you know, discover and research this stuff, but we also test it on large scale testing to make sure that it actually works, which is important. Yeah, that's really cool. So I guess one of the things to unpack here really quick is you've mentioned binaural beats and, you know, it's like dispelling some of these myths of like pseudoscience and not pseudoscience and kind of building a scientific framework from the ground up to actually say, yes, this is actually working rather than just selling, you know, a supplement and says, yeah, you'll get stronger and have a six pack by the, by the end of it kind <laughs> yep. of thing. Can you just elaborate on like binaural beats what are they? And then like common misconceptions and then how does brain FM kind of target these, those misconceptions or, or actually add science to what 
either some of it got right and then what if it got wrong? Yeah. So, you know, we could probably spend a really long time talking about binaural, binaural beats. So, you know, I'm sure there's other things we want to get into, yeah. but on the highest level, binaural beats is basically two tones played in one, in two ears. So that's where the binaural comes from. And what happens is the idea is that if I'm playing two tones that are opposite, different frequencies in the middle of your brain, not really, but like in, in your brain, they will combine into one and it will help elevate you to different mental states. The challenge with that is, again, that our brain is really advanced. So that studies that show that, and actually the person that created binaural beats and kind of popularized the term, later retracted some of his statements. Oh, wow. And there's there's tons of papers, which you know I'm happy to send you if you want to link in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. But but in reality, you know, there's there's not a lot of scientific data. It's kind of like breaks down on people's personal use cases and you know there's uh, there's psychological effects that play into the role like like uh, placebo as well as intention-based stuff and all these other things and what we really try to do is is how can we still have some things that you know are the same kind of idea like listen to music to power into certain kind of modalities Mm -hmm. but then also be able to dispel placebo tests dispel you know you know really like these these misnomers because even if you go on, on YouTube right now and you search for binaural beats, you'll find hundreds of millions of views yeah, on all absolutely. these videos and there's people that use it. So they definitely want the effect. But what we're trying to do and what we have done is really show that, hey, when you're using for focus, whether you, you think it's binaurals or it's regular music or it's, you know, whatever it may be, we actually can show through fMRI and EEG testing that during control groups with the same exact music with our technology and without our technology, um, that we actually do have an effect sustained for many individuals. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the real, I think, separation of that, that we're, we're making music that sounds good for, and you want to listen to, but also has the effects that can be backed up with science. Yeah. I, I think that's part of the, like this group of people who are always trying to push, you know, what's working best or kind of self-optimization thing. There's a kind of a fine line of like, where does the subjective experience end and the science begin? Because mm-hmm. there's so much of this stuff that people kind of just say, well, it makes me feel better. So I'm just going to keep doing it, you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to, as, especially because it's N equals one science for a lot of this stuff. So a lot of people yep. <laughs> to throw out a statistical term there, but so for me, it's really interesting to kind of break that down and especially to have something like this, that's rooted in science for me, it's kind of building building a technology or building a use case from the ground up in the right way rather than just saying, yes, we know it works like because it makes me feel better. Like that only goes so far. And so it, it makes it interesting for me. And then one of the other things that I like as you're explaining this kind of hit me was have you seen ideas or played around with the idea that possibly this could be useful for someone who maybe has ADHD or some sort of attention disorders to help get their brain to kind of not to like as a drug per se, but an alternative viewpoint on it rather than giving them a pill. Yeah. So we actually have funding from the government right now, which helped us actually complete some of those studies that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. So, so far we spent over half a million dollars on science and on mm-hmm. investigating this stuff because science is expense, expensive. Yeah. But actually that grant we got was to evaluate if we can be an alternative treatment to ADHD medications. Wow. So, you know, we really look at it on, uh, you know, really three levels mm-hmm. is, you know, how can this be for 
a you know consumer that is just looking to explore possibilities and curation of, of music and you know they don't want to look for their own music right <laughs> right and then a, a step above that is people that are high achievers that are looking for optimization that are looking to sleep better to focus better to know it's like going to the eye doctor and they say you know, what's one's better one or two. We don't do that. We just tell you this is the best one for you. Right. Right. And then the third level is actually the medication level. So I'm not trying to take away people's ADHD medication, right. but this could be used in combination of, so you can use less, you could use it before you try, you know, doing medication, but you know, and, or some people do replace their medication altogether. It's just really case by case basis on yeah. how, you know, your physiological, you know, effects you get from medication. But the great thing about this is there's, because it is music and because our brain has evolved with sound and sound systems, there's no degenerative effects or, or bad effects from this. Besides if you put your headphones on max volume and you crank this super, super loud, you know, so it's kind of a natural system that aids you to you know, do whatever you're doing better, you know, as long as you're doing the activity. Yeah. That's super cool because for me, it's, I'm always trying to find tools that maybe it's not supposed to replace what's, you know, tried or true, but it's always trying to find something that we can use that, Hey, maybe this might be useful in certain use case scenarios. Like it's, I'm not saying throw, you know, the baby out with the bathwater, but just mm -hmm. trying to attack a problem with a novel solution that maybe you didn't think about before that kind of circumvents possible, you know, downsides. Yeah. I mean, so one example is, you know, obviously we have a consumer product mm -hmm. with specific medical uses, which we're not actually going through the FDA route just yet right. or pharmacology, but you know, we are recommended by people that, you know, have ADHD to other people. If you have Asperger's or autism, we're recommended by a lot of networks through there, mm -hmm. but we're also doing medical testing. So some of the stuff that we're doing right now that is exciting that, I guess I could share some things, but not everything is yeah. we're actually doing brain FM medical. So we have a medical grade version of our music that we play before you go into surgery to calm you down and lower blood pressure, things like that. And then actually a brain FM recover after you finish surgery. Now wow. currently this is opt-in, you know, all that stuff, right. but we've actually seen that we increase recovery rates by uh, 200%. So people so are cool. waking up faster from, <laughs> from anesthesia and they're being discharged faster and they're having a much more pleasant experience rather than, you know, this discharging coming to having all these drugs, mm -hmm. you know, into kind of a, it's a little bit better of an experience. And, you know, that's all grounded in science. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing that to make the product better. I think that's super cool because as someone who's really into this kind of like biometric data and like recovery is kind of like this new category that I've really embedded myself in. I'm wearing both a whoop and an aura ring currently. Yep. So yep. Th this is, and especially given the time period where everyone's kind of scared whether or not they got it. Cause it's like disease is like the special, you know, latent carrier type effect where you could have it, but you don't know if you have it, these wearable devices mm -hmm. and even something like this, where you can recover more quickly, I think is kind of like secret weapons in this, this fight where we can understand, like, even though you could be a carrier, it's like, I can look at my recovery data every day and say, Nope, I'm like, you know, in the green, I haven't fallen off a cliff. My numbers look good. There's likelihood of me being infected is really low. And to kind of talk mm -hmm. about like post-operative things like that, my friend of mine, he's a nurse and he talked about that as, as a way of kind of giving patients a window into their own biology kind of, 
and like adding music onto that as an ex- extra layer, I think is even even more interesting to me to to kind of you know I'm trying I'm thinking of studies you could do where you listen to music and have wearable data to see whether or not you're seeing impacts on that end too. Be really neat. We're actually doing those studies right now. So it's, in probably four months, because science is slow, yeah, uh, we'll probably have uh, data on that. That's really cool. So I mm. guess for to kind of back up a little bit, just to talk about Brain FM from the beginning is like, where did this foundation of science come from? Yeah, sure. So the the technology in the company was invented by this guy who was actually making uh, those video games you could control with your mind. Oh, wow. Um, so I don't know if you're familiar with that thing, but basically the idea is you put on an EEG helmet, mm-hmm. right? And you think, go left, and the, the plane goes left, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's calibrated enough, you could do that. The challenge that that happened was that one, all those things are super expensive, right? Um, this is like, I guess, 15, 18 years ago. Yeah. But additionally, they're not really accurate. You need like, if you have hair, if you like, I don't have hair, right? So maybe <laughs> it's more accurate on me. But, you know, it, it, it's challenging to basically calibrate to different individuals because everyone is a little bit different. And the inventor was also a musician and noticed that when he was calibrating, because he wore it all the time, that when he was playing guitar, that he had similar, you know, data, right? And then really became obsessed with the idea on how music can control and change your, your mental state or really, you know, your brain activity specifically. And then started really diving into it. He started looking at binaurals and isochronic tones and saw it on his own device that these don't really work, what could work, and really created this whole like testing framework, which evolved into I guess a trial by fire before we had all this science. And, you know, he stumbled across something which, you know, became brain FM. And, and now we have, you know, leading auditory neuroscientists that we collaborate with are employed by the company. And we, you know, we look at where we are today and where we're heading. And this is kind of basically productizing this bleeding edge um, resource research into neuroscience. Like they're using um, certain kinds of uh, technology that's similar to us to actually investigate if they can cure Alzheimer's and like reverse, like there's a lot of really interesting things in in this field of work. Mm -hmm. But what I guess the main point is really like uh, a lot of the times people do all this really interesting research and it just stays at the research level. So because we've helped develop this research from the ground up, we're actually, as we're researching it, we're actually putting it into our product and making it better. So it's, it's special because of that. So yeah. it's built off of that. Yeah, the, the feedback loop is really interesting there because a lot of times, you know, research happens and then it just kind of sits there in a research paper and either gets cited a bunch of times or it just gets, you know, lost to the dustbin of history, as they say. And mm-hmm. to, to ha- kind of build a company in this sense where it has the internal feedback loop already where it's embedded in studies legitimately and trying to, okay... We, we see this part works. How do we make that into a product and understanding how to do that? That's a special skill that I don't think many people think about. You know, a lot of times it's like that engineering thing where it's like you build something, but it's like a, a fun thing to build, but not a necessary thing to build. Or it's like, how do you monetize that is the tricky part. I, I think we fell into something, you know, really, really special. I mean, I think part of that was just about how this is like, I think, it's, it's really interesting because I think it's the timing. So mm-hmm. 10 years ago, this couldn't be a reality because we have AI networks and things like that that we can we can build, right? Okay, yeah. So we didn't have the computer technology to 
really do all this stuff because we're AI assisted with humans to make it work, but also make it sound good. But what's also really interesting is headphones in the last five years have like just become revolutionary. You know, I'm talking to you right now on these Apple AirPods that have a sound canceling mode. Yeah, right. And like, it's, it's, a, it's crazy, right? And it's just getting better and better and better. So, you know, the reason why um, I think we're starting to, you know, become a product, be growing significantly is, is really because, you know, we have the neuroscience, but everything else has also kind of led into where we are today. Does that yeah. make sense? No, yeah, absolutely. I think I think you're, yeah. you're you're making a good point. It's like, you know, you could say how this person had the great idea and made it work, you know, like the the great men of history, so to speak. But mm -hmm. it's also there's a lot of these little things that make this Goldilocks effect of having, yep. you know, the internet at your disposal, the you know, really powerful cell phones that have enough computing power that make this. Like my question is, does this like AI stuff? Is this during the creation of the the music, or is this during playing? It's it's actively adjusting things. So, so we're doing it during the creation of the music. Okay, and the reason gotcha. for that is because we still want to make something that sounds good to humans. Yeah. There's tons of AI generation tools that you can find that can make music dynamically. Mm -hmm. But the challenge is that either they sound fuzzy, they don't sound like enjoyable music. It kind of sounds drony. Um, it gets yeah. old after a while or there's not the science or the technology. So really we're building it in at the start. And the way I kind of like, you know, I'm a big person on metaphors is kind of where we have um, a building. And basically the sound engineers and composers are designing the facade. They're making it look pretty. They have like all this cool stuff, but they have to design it with the AI because if they want to build you know, a 30 foot structure or a 5,000 foot structure, they have to have the right foundation. If they want to have like an overhang they have to have a right, you know, whatever. And, and that's really what this is doing. It's like a mixing and matching stuff. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I think it's, it's just super important that we make music that you actually want to listen to because it's designed to listen the whole time you're working. Yeah. So if you're working for two hours, you have to be listening to this for two hours. And, uh, you know, right now, I think with our current technology, you know, that's where we are, but we're, you know, exploring different things in the future. And I think, so to kind of unpack further, because your, your situation, like you said, is really unique. What was it like for you to kind of stumble upon this, you know, as someone who's, again, working a weird schedule at that, being a developer, being a coder, you're stuck behind your screen all the time. And you kind of just have to be able to just laser lock focus and just get it done, even if it's not working. And I, and I have a feeling that there's a lot of people like you in in the sense that who would be either attracted to this or just not sure about it because they're partly hesitant, you know, because of that placebo effect and kind of the science that we've aligned. So what was mm -hmm. it like for you just for like exposure, if you can remember what it was like just to stumble upon it? Totally, totally. So it's funny because I think about this moment all the time because this is actually what I'm trying to build the company into. Mm -hmm. So I remember my first time being hesitant. You know, again, we're working on, you know, showing that, you know, we have science and all that stuff, but that's all other thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I really remember trying this as in a, I love trying new things. This is probably not going to work. I'll just throw my headphones in and start working. And I remember um, taking my headphones out and doing like double the work, like just flying through things. And... I was like, holy crap, this is amazing, but it can't be real. It's so amazing, you know, and then basically, you know, and that's a lot of our customers do that. Right. And basically I started saying, okay, I'm going to stay up all night and then I'm going to do this. 
or I'm going to, I'm going to wake up at 10 AM, which I never would do and, and put this on. Yeah. And the takeaway was really, it, it completely changed my life, you know? So mm-hmm. I went from waking up and my brain not turning on to really like 11, mm-hmm. 11 AM. As a result, I never, I like basically cheated my way through high school while well, I dropped off my senior year and then <laughs> tested out by going to a university kind of thing. Like I basically didn't, I couldn't have a regular job or even do really well in school because I was just never awake. You, like if you literally looked at my grade point averages, it would be like any class that's before uh, 11 o'clock, I would just like get a C and or a D. And it wasn't wow. that I wasn't good. It's just like, I wasn't awake. Like I just never, I think I set the highest. I remember in high school, I had like 180 late days or something like that, wow. like basically every day. But really, you know, moving into Brain FM and, and finding it and, and discovering it, over the first two weeks, it, it dramatically changed my life mm-hmm. where I was like, I have control now. And, uh, you know, just this morning, I actually woke up at 5 a.m. and I did a meditation and then go into Brain FM. And that's my schedule now. And, you know, from that, not only has it inspired me to work at, for the company where I started working for free and then, you know, ended up, you know, running the company. But really, I've been trying to figure out and, and, and iterate and building the product as I can give that same control and that ability to everyone that uses Brain FM. And that's really the, the funding and the starting point of how do we spread this and give, you know, a million people or more the ability to control their mental state on demand. I think that's a really powerful story on many levels. And I want to unpack some of it too, because like, sure. I, I think like your story saying where you couldn't be awake or like fully conscious in quotation marks, you know, before 10 AM. <laughs> and I think a lot of people, have that like like pushed back circadian rhythm where they're just not predisposed to waking up early you know and and Mm -hmm. i think in our society that pushes a lot of connotation around people who who can't wake up early they look like they're lazy they look like they're underachievers all of those negative stereotypes i've I've worked with people like that and then they kind of are chronically just you know have dead-end type jobs they work overnight at places or whatever you know the places and times that people don't want to work in average life Mm -hmm. so for you it's like can you explain what it was like for you and then you know because again, you're a CEO now. So to have, have that kind of background and then to be able to see, say, yeah, you're a CEO and work your way through is I think really powerful to give a lot of people the possibility that they could do something that even though society says they most likely couldn't because of the way they sleep or the way that, you know, their circadian rhythm predisposes them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Happy to. So, uh, you know, I think quick note before I dive into that, um, you make it, you know, you make a really interesting point and it's true is that, you know, today we're surrounded by technology. You know, we have phones, we have blue screens, you know, and they've been shown to, you know, extend that circadian rhythm out. I think that, you know, it's really interesting because if you look at us from an evolutionary perspective, right. Mm -hmm. Um, even like sleeping like eight hours is, and then, you know, coming out, is not like the most natural thing for us to do. It was like this nap and then wake up in the middle of night and then go back and nap again, I guess. So, you know, it's interesting. And, and I think that really brain FM at a whole is a tool among many to be able to apply to, you know, fix the problem, right. Where, you know, we have technology that's really the root of the reason why our, our, we're coming out of this natural kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, our approach is using technology to like fix it. Yeah. And I think at a whole is, is, you know, some people 
it's like at the ba- most basic, it's like plugging in and unplugging, you know? And really it's just about being able to figure out, I guess, get, being in touch with yourself and, and, and understanding like, Hey, you know what? Maybe drinking four gallons of coffee a day is not the best thing to do. Maybe <laughs> there's other approaches. And some people like, yeah, listen, like some people do that and I have no problem about it. I drink three cups of coffee a day. I love, co- I just love coffee, but you know, figuring out, you know, what is the right, you know, again, tools and, yeah. and, yeah, I mean, that's really where I think our main main focus is because it's something that people it's like a low barrier entry, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's it you know, if you want to if you want to try it, you literally just throw your headphones in, you sit down on a computer and you just have to do it in combination what you would already be doing. Yeah. And then at the end of that, you know, 60 90 minutes, you're like, "Okay, did it work or did it not or am I unsure?" Yeah. And if you're unsure, I mean, we know it works for everyone, but if you're unsure or if you're, if you think it works then continue doing it, if you don't tell me and I'll tell you, you know, how to fix it. But yeah, that's really where we're focused on. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. It's one of the themes that I've noticed. So my background is an engineer. So I I, I tend to think of things as like, how do we create technology that works for the user and not the other way around our technology on our phones? A lot of times with notifications and all this stuff winds up being in service of the technology rather than the user, you know, with notifications totally. and the dopamine drip, blah, blah, blah. Like we can go all mm-hmm. day about that kind of stuff. And so that's one thing I, I really enjoy about this because it's kind of pushing back on that paradigm of like, let's give the user the ability to actually speak and talk or not speak, but like actually do the things that they want to do rather than being distracted and scrolling through, you know, Instagram or Facebook for extra five minutes when they shouldn't have been. <laughs> you know, it's also interesting too, just a comment on that is that like, you know, I talked about the tool, but it's also the intentionality. So mm. part of people, you know, using brain FM or other tools is when they say, Hey, I'm actually going to focus for 60 minutes that's part of just, you know, saying I am going to commit to something, right. which, you know, all these tools where they're vibing, they're taking our attention. Um, that's actually part of the challenge is you get a Facebook thing, you get an Instagram thing, you get a text message. Sometimes it's really great. Just say, okay, I'm turning them all off for 30 minutes and I'm going to do something, whatever that activity may be, which is powerful. Yeah. You know? It's one of the things I enjoy about the, the app itself and just other things. Like, do you have any other ways that you pattern interrupt, I guess, like for yourself, like when you need to either focus or get prepared for something, even little things yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, totally. So I think I have a slew of things that I do within, within brain FM and different kinds of combinations. Mm-hmm. And then also other things that prepare me for using the tool or whatever that may be. So one of those is, you know, I think habits are super important. Mm-hmm. So grounding yourself in habits or adding it into habits you already have. So for example, when I, you know, most people drink coffee or tea in the morning, what I recommend if you wanted to try brain FM, Instead of saying, okay, I'm going to do drink coffee and tea and do whatever, and I'm going to just put brain up on when I need it, start your day. So when I sit down every day, I have a, cu- a cup of iced coffee, no matter what temperature is on the outside, and I have an open notebook, and I just journal, and I have brain if I'm on, and I'm going through reflections of what I accomplished yesterday, what I still have to do today, what's my to-do list. I plan and rehearse my day with my calendar, so I go through like today, for example, I had a podcast with you at a few other meetings and I, in the morning before my day even starts, I just think through what are we going to talk about? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? What are the things that I need to prep maybe mentally or maybe even like physically, like I need to have certain data and I'm doing that all as part of this, this habitual process to 
really just like fly through things. And then that helps a lot. Also combine different kinds of methodologies. So like if you're familiar with Pomodoro techniques and things like that, where you basically play focus and then you play relaxed music and then you play focus again. So what will happen is you're giving yourself a break. And then what happens is it's like, I guess people can't see my hand, but basically you're up at the curve and then you go down. And when you go back up, instead of going to the same level, you actually go into deeper focus, which is okay. great. So that's fun. It was great. You know, I, I think it really comes down to like, what is important to you? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I, I usually don't use brain FM sleep every night. I only really use it when I'm traveling because I don't really have problems sleeping. So I don't need to, Yeah. but I do and always have had troubles focusing. So that's really the, my main crux. And you've talked to some people, they say, listen, I just use this for meditation and sleeping. Like it's really that 360, like what is the best fit for you? Yeah. And it, it's just to empower your activities really. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really neat. And it's, it's interesting because it kind of comes at it from a different angle than a lot of these other focus based, you know, mindfulness type apps and stuff like that. Um, kind of going on, on another angle here too is, is again, it's it going along those lines of like, best investment either time energy doesn't have to be money but just investment in for your own life that that is like paid dividends for you oh 100 travel yeah for me so i've been to seven continents i've done them all wow. and yeah i mean i i went to australia when i was 21 for a month and it completely changed my life i realized that you know standing in the other side of the world that you can really do anything you want as long as you make a plan to do so and then, you know, have a goal that you're working towards. Yeah. And I think that travel is a really cool thing, like a cool metaphor for like your process. So if you have a goal, you know, you can kind of think about it in the same way of like planning a trip because mm-hmm. you don't want to just get off a plane and just go. And I've <laughs> totally done that before, you know, but you, you, you learn along the way and then you can directly apply some of those lessons to life. I highly recommend That's so, uh, traveling. Any memorable out. moments other than going to Australia for the first time? Like any highlights? Oh, geez. I know there's um, a lot, but <laughs> let's see. I've been to a lot of places, top highlights. So Australia, you know, great. Cause it was one of my biggest ones. Thailand and Laos was uh, impressionable. I wear a bracelet every day for the last seven years uh, because of an instance there, which is a story in itself. Let's see. I guess two years ago, I went to Antarctica and they have 18 hour sunsets because it's all, like yeah. on the other side of the world and it's like that, that craziness. So that was pretty awe inspiring to see a sunset that's frozen almost. And then it's like, so beautiful and so gorgeous. And then four hours later, it's the same thing. And you're like, all right, I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. And then the people you meet along the way is definitely the most eye opening, you know, different cultures and really challenging our own belief systems. Mm-hmm. So that when you come back, you integrate them into the things that you learn. Oh, I saw this person doing this. You know, it's the same thing from these podcasts, you know, listen podcasts sometime. And you're like, this is amazing. I want to try this out. And then you either adopt it into your life or you discard it. But it, having the choice is important. Yeah, I th- that's so cool. Uh, I, I love the idea of travel as someone, I live in the Midwest. So for me, mm-hmm. the the idea of travel can be a little difficult for people who live in the Midwest because they put deep roots in. My family doesn't want to move, has never really moved around much, you know, maybe the few neighboring states around, but outside of that, all the traveling I've had to do so far is either from work or of my own accord. And so yeah. it kind of puts this bubble around you. And so when I hear people say traveling, I'm just like, yes, cool. <laughs> like, cause it helps me make that 
next mental leap to want to do it because there's a lot of mental friction for me, even though I want to go do it. And given circumstances, it's not like we can go do that yet right now, but <laughs> eventually. Yeah, definitely can't now, but you can definitely plan and create that bucket list of whatever you want. You know, I don't come from a family that travels either. Mm-hmm. So I've been to seven continents. My parents have been to two states, three states maybe. And I think that's part of the reason why it spurred me to travel, to be honest. But, you know, that's part of the, I think the excitement is to challenge yourself and to grow because of it. Yeah. So I guess a good question there to just bounce off of that is, is what have you been challenging yourself with like for 2020 maybe, or even last year, like maybe the last two years? Let's stick to 2020 because there's a lot of things on that even. I think the biggest the biggest things is actually, you know, driving direction in the business and actually doing less. I don't want to say le- less of it, but like more hands off and, and finding the right leaders to do so. So, you know, I'm very passionate. I think you could tell by, you know, what we're building, but part of the growth factor is also allowing people to um, see their own vision, alter my vision into whatever they can and build this product together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been something I'm challenging myself to do. And I think from it, you know, we're starting to have explosive growth because basically I don't want to be a limitation on how big brain FM is. So I'm, I'm, you know, still heavily involved and will be for a very long time, but really the, the growth factor of, you know, helping other people help me, you know, empower people and spread this. So that's, that's fun. And then just relationships, you know, figuring out how can I meet new people that are amazing and then also keep up with old people that are amazing. Because I think at the end of the day, you know, the relationships are one of your most valuable assets. Yeah. So there's two things you can go from there is like being a leader in many ways, especially of a business is like, you are the idea person you're like the captain of the pointing the direction you know like saying we're going here and here's here's where we're heading but you still have mm-hmm. to rely on a lot of people who are actually doing the work or or you know managing these sub processes and stuff like that and so pulling yourself out of the system a little bit to let and trust other people like how do you develop trust within your teams because i think that's a a thing a lot of entrepreneurs kind of gloss over when they mm-hmm. say they want to become an entrepreneur, they don't think about the aspect of they have to give their baby away to some degree. <laughs> Share the baby, go yeah, raise the baby. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yes. So I think, I think there's a lot to be said about that. I think leadership is uh, different for the different individuals and different leadership styles. And I think that that comes from the source of how there's way, there's many ways to lead in different organizations because the fact of the matter is the organization needs to be led in different ways. You know, so if you took, I don't know, a leader of a nonprofit that's, you know, doing hundreds of billions of dollars of charity work, Mm -hmm. and then you took someone that was, you know, doing, I don't know, a hundred thousand, right. Those are completely different things. So they have to be led in different ways. Yeah. I think the other factor is the person. So I had to figure out the best way for me to communicate and the best way to that I need to be to communicate it to, to be able to fit in my comfort zone as well as my kind of like, I guess, growth factor at like in the trajectory and what I'm trying to paint. Yeah. So I think there's honestly just a balance, you know, you can read all the books you in the war in the world, but I think it's partly taking what you can learn and trying to try like implement it. Yeah. Saying first, does this make sense? And then see, and then trying it on like a pair of shoes, you know, and saying, okay, this is great, but these aren't, 
my pair of shoes, you know, and, and the more shoes you try on and the more adaptions you make, you tie the the laces a certain tightness or, you know, let them loose or whatever. (laughs) Then you start getting a little bit more comfortable and then you, you're not worried about your shoes anymore. And now you say, okay, what kind of pants am I wearing? Um, and I think that's like, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of say, I guess, as far as qualitative things of like what, leadership is but you know i think that the struggles that you know i face and other people it's really like just figuring out you know and taking action you know yeah. taking action is the big thing yeah no i, I think you're, you're nailing it to some degree because it's it's that there is no one size fits all to leadership you know it really depends on the dynamic that you have with your team and and how people respond within that team and so you can't really prescribe anything unless you're part of it right <laughs> so it's yep. really really hard and it's you know the only thing you can do is kind of like the high level things of like you know and honoring the individual and stuff like that but i think that's been kind of beat to death you know in quotable books at this point so there's no point in rehashing it too much there but i think you did nail one thing with the communication aspect of like being able to connect and communicate to other people and articulate what you're trying to say and, and for someone like yourself you come off as really well spoken and you know not the typical developer type again like those stereotype types that we all kind of carry around people was that always a part of who you were, like being able to communicate well and speak clearly? No. So actually growing up, I had a very bad stutter. So I actually did speech training for like the first four, let's first grade to like fourth grade, I mm-hmm. think, fifth grade. So, so much so that I was actually put in a slow learning class because I couldn't talk very well. I mean, I didn't wow. want to talk because I had such a speech impediment. So it's funny if you look at like, you know, it's just a learning process. Like mm-hmm. um, if you look up other interviews I did like three years ago, I remember the first time I did with live TV and I go right back into that kind of stuttering thing. And it's just, it really, it's the same thing as leadership and any other thing is it's just practice. You know, I do podcasts like these all the time and it, now I don't really worry about what I'm saying. And if I'm saying the right things, I just talk and have fun and uh, you know, hopefully it comes off that way. Yeah, no, that's cool. I, the reason I say is because I was someone probably in high school was was the shyest person you could ever imagine and barely could even formulate a sentence, let alone talk for hours and hours with strangers. And yep. now I can do this, you know, I get excited to do this more than anything else. Like I could sit behind a microphone and a camera and be like, yes, here we go. We're going to go, you know, when most millennial people don't like talking on the phone here. I yeah. <laughs> here I am recording hour long podcasts with people I've never had conversations with before. <laughs> you know, it's really counterintuitive to that degree when you, when you kind of look backwards and kind of see where you like referencing where you were to where you are now, it seems like for me, you have a really, you know, what's what is now considered a growth mindset where you're, where you're always anchored in that what you're doing today. And if you do it well and you keep doing it over time, you'll get better. Totally. Who gave that to you? Was it just through reading or was it family, teachers? Yeah. So, so great question. And uh, some stuff I don't get to explore in a lot of these podcasts. So uh, kudos for that, that really in-depth question. So I, I used to teach martial arts. I'm actually a secondary black belt. So when I was 16, I started teaching. I started doing martial arts when I was around 11. And from there, we really use martial arts as a vehicle to instill confidence and success and like mm-hmm. life skills and kids. And I'm one of the results of that program, right? And by teaching it, I really learned of how a kid can come in 
and you know maybe he's a little chubby maybe he's a little bit uncoordinated maybe he's super shy which was me I was super shy and super yeah just not confident in myself or my abilities and you know over the years I you know by learning oh I'm actually good at something I'm actually good at you know doing blocks or kicks or punches and then seeing the confidence instill from that and then you know seeing it like directly teaching kids and seeing them you know over the years it's interesting because the kids that I used to teach when I was 16 or 17 when they were 10 or, or even younger I guess like six now they're in college you know what I mean and and it's very interesting to see that like them having and growing over the years and then becoming an individual. Yeah. And I guess that's where that started. There's also a great book. If you want to like save yourself eight years and, and read the slight edge okay. it's by Jeff, I think it's Jeff Olson, but it talks about basically like how, you know, none of us eat cheeseburgers and die. So that's why everyone's fat. <laughs> it's because it's a slight edge of, of learning that like compounding principles. Right. Yep. And I think atomic habits has this stuff in it too, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's knowing the truth. It's, it's, it's knowing that, okay, that, that does make sense in my mind and believing it, which I think is important. It's, mm-hmm. it's one thing knowing it's another thing, believing it. And then it's a third level is living by it. Yeah. So I know that, you know, tomorrow is I'm going to get 1% better. How am I going to do that? Yep. And having that kind of philosophy on how you build life, I think is, is yeah, that's kind of what I'm anchored in because I want to make, I want to have a great life and I want to help other people and I can't do that by not leading by it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why I do this to to some degree, you know, it's providing blueprints for other people's to learn and lead a more fulfilling life. That's it. Like there's not much more to it. And, and you know, you can't say that unless you do it yourself. And, you know, part of doing this is, is exploring, the possibilities and then also too is exploring can you actually make this thing you know there's a lot that goes into a system of recording you know creating graphics creating you know all this extra embedded Mm -hmm. things you don't really think about and then it's like you have to learn it and then all of a sudden you have all of these extra skills that you wouldn't otherwise it's similar to like for young kids learning martial arts I was a kid like that growing up myself I really didn't care about sports I was uncoordinated and then shy and so I didn't really give it a try. I had very much Mm -hmm. a fixed mindset and it wasn't until I was like 21 that I'd finally gave up like working out and movement, an actual attempt. And it was through that, that I wound up gaining so much more self-confidence in myself. And then it kind of realized, especially as someone who's intellectual, that there is that mind body connection. Like it's, it's legitimate. And if you let one side degrade, the other side doesn't, you know, is, is kind of limited too. So I, it's really powerful, I think, and we can learn a lot from martial arts and just kind of being exposed to movement, even if it's not like from a competitive standpoint, it's, I think it's totally, cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the only thing I would add is like, I think any challenging activity at all, whether it's making a podcast, doing martial arts, or I don't know, doing any, really any kind of sport, any kind of activity that is hard, like even video games could be like this yeah. is, is challenging yourself. And then working really, really hard to be able to accomplish a goal. You know, I think video games is probably too easy. It's not challenging enough because Mm -hmm. eventually you'll figure it out and win. But the goal is not to win. The goal is to do and be better. You know, you can't win at a podcast, you know, like maybe you can (laughs) be number one, but it's a lot, it's a lot harder to get there. It's a lot, you know, you have to, you know, do all these things. And I think that the process and saying, I, you know what, this is going to be hard, but I'm going to do my best here. You know, that's, that's the journey. That's well worth the, the effort. 
you know, yeah. that's why we become better. It's it's committing to the process and then, you know, consistency. It's like those two keywords yeah. that are like the, the foundation of doing anything. Part of the, for me, that I've, I've learned and very recently that kind of like struck me is that I have coworkers of mine at my, during my day job and they, some of them have 30 years of experience in, in a singular field. And I have mm-hmm. to stop and tell myself, I'm like, dude, you can't expect to be like somebody or, you know, an expert when you've only been doing this for, you know, a quarter, like they've been doing it longer than you've been alive on this planet, <laughs> like that one thing. And so it, it's kind of like, as a young person, it's, you got to stop and like realize sometimes that, Hey, you shouldn't be ahead of where you think you should be because you still just got to put time behind it some, to some degree, even though there's evidence that 10,000 hours is not true, but it, there is still a time factor in a lot of these things. You just got to just put numbers in. <laughs> Totally. Totally. Yeah. Working smart. Right. Yeah, exactly. So we're getting close to an hour already, which time flies. Do you have any other books that either you've gifted or just favorite books that have impacted you? Sure. So I mentioned Atomic Habits. Fantastic. Highly, highly recommend that. I love the book Relentless by Tim S. Grover. Cool. So he was Michael Jordan's basketball coach. And I'm like you, I don't really, sorry, everyone. I don't really care about sports because at the end of the day, it doesn't really affect me. I like, you know, I'll, I'll watch sports here and now, but I don't follow anything. Yeah. But regardless is I was recommended this book and I just, it's really interesting. It talks about, about aligning your self interests or the things that are like dark. Mm-hmm. I'm doing finger quotes and, and aligning that to, you know, being your fire, you know? So, you know, we kind of talked about it earlier. It is like, we want to service and help people. But part of it is the challenge is challenging ourselves. Can we do that? Right. And I think that aligning your, your unselfish desires, right. And your selfish desires of like your personal challenge together in one uniform thing is super powerful that a lot of people don't want to talk about because it's like, you know, I don't know, bad juju or whatever it is. But, you know, I think everyone has selfish desires, you know, some are, some are, you know, not always bad, you know, as long as you do them in the right way. And, you know, that's what I've really tried to do is, you know, I, I like the puzzle. I want to grow Brain FM to help a lot of people, but it's also fun because I want to help figure it out and, and, and do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, lining those in the right direction is is a certain superpower, I think. And I, I definitely recommend that. Yeah, that's a really cool book. I, you know, like you're saying, like, I don't care about sports in the sense of like as a watcher but what i do find interesting about sports is being able to talk or learn about the people behind it like trainers and mm. just, or getting inside the minds of elite athletes and figuring out like okay how do they organize their life so that they can perform right because to some yeah. degree we can all because those are the things that matter like obviously i'm not going to be an nba player i'm five six so that, that's already <laughs> yeah. but like i can listen to how you know kobe or someone or michael jordan trained or how he thought about doing reps and apply that to my own life in whatever I care about. Right. And you can do that totally infinitum. <laughs> doesn't matter who it is. I, I, I think sports is, is such a great uh, case study almost on, on personal achievement and just achievement overall. You know, the person, I, I remember the story of the person that broke the four minute mile. Yeah. And they talked about how did he do that? And one of those is he mentally rehearsed breaking and running and what it felt like running under four minutes. 
And, you know, I don't want to run a minute, a mile in four minutes, to be honest, <laughs> but I do the same activity as I was mentioning earlier, when I figure out what I'm going to do today. Yeah. So I'm rehearsing in my mind before I even do it, what's going to happen. And I think that that visualization structure, you know, finding out all these parallels of like the support structure that these individuals have, you know, and replicating it can go a long way. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I, I, you know, just finding ways to replicate, you know, what people, what works for other people and maybe it works for you, I think is really important. And then kind of a wrap up question or second to last wrap up question. But if you could give advice to either someone who's either just getting out of college or maybe someone given the circumstance with COVID-19 who might be driven, but, but can't really do anything right now. Like, do you have any advice for someone how they could like jumpstart themselves to kind of, you know, light their fire again or, you know, something like that. Totally. Not, not really motivation, but just something that they could point in a direction. So I think all energy and motivation come from curiosity. I think like one of the reasons why I'm so passionate and on fire about brain FM is because at the end of the day, this has been something I've always been trying to fix and I've always been curious about how to do it. And that's what drove me to do all these nootropics and all these different kinds of solutions. None of them really like fit and it just lined up, mm-hmm. you know, and I say people that, you know, it kind of just, I, it, I was lucky, but in reality, I was kind of searching for it my whole life. And then I came across it. And I think that if you're coming out of college or you're, you know, in this situation with the COVID, you know, really, what are you curious about? You know, go to square one, do some journaling, right? Like, Maybe, maybe you're hearing us say we don't like sports and you're like, no, I love sports, right? <laughs> Why? Figure out what the root of that is. You know, if you're really interested in like, I don't know, technology that's going to be replenishable, like vertical farming or something like that, you should just learn everything you can about that topic. And I think from then you can start aligning that with opportunity. And that's what I tell every single person that says, Hey, I want to be, I want to, you know, find some fire and be passionate and, you know, just find something that you actually care about. And that is, should be the center of the trajectory you base your decisions off. Of. Yeah. I, I really agree because it's like, once you find the thing that you would do regardless, then it just kind of, it's, it's, it's the engine that could, it just keeps feeding itself and you just are always up to totally. date. And then you kind of, you know, someone mentioned something and then you just run with it and then you're like, cool. And then next thing you know, you're, you know, five years later, you're like, well, I guess I'm here now. <laughs> yeah, You got it. You got it. That's awesome. So anything else or stories that come to mind that you want to add or advice to people given the circumstances, you know, in these uncertain times? Yeah. You know, I think that I guess to close on is that there's just so many things that we can't control right now. And I think now more than ever, it's really important to control the things that we can, which is specifically our mindset, our thoughts, our mental states, because at the end of the day, humans are one of the, well, they're the only organism that we know of that can actually change our own habits can actually, you know, predict the future with like what we want to do, you know, they saying, I want to take this action and then doing that action is, is really, really powerful. And I think that, you know, because there's so much things that you can't control by deciding and, and controlling what you can, can give a lot of strength and a lot of value. So um, I encourage people if, if you're scared or you don't know what to do, you know, to kind of think about it that way. Yeah. Well said. I think that's a really good advice for a lot of people right now, especially as some paranoia starts to set in where people don't know who's infected and who's not. I think having 
a little bit of caution and being able to control what's in your control is probably the best antidote we have right now. You know, it's like if you're healthy, happy, and you got a roof over your head, you're kind of okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Definitely. So where can we connect with you? Yeah, sure. So, you, you, you know, you can try us out at Brain FM. Um, it's just brain.fm or, or you were on the App Store and the iOS. You know, you can try that out. We give five sessions away for everyone for free. If you guys want to reach out to me, you can send me an email at dan at brainfm. Super easy. But yeah, I really hope that this was valuable for everyone today. Yeah, this is awesome. Thanks, Dan. This is really good. And I really appreciate your time. Yeah, my pleasure. See everyone soon. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Feeding Curiosity. I hope you all learned something or at least got you thinking. If you want to dive in deeper, please head over to feedingcuriosity.net to find related links or just more podcasts and blogs that we posted there. On top of this, please consider subscribing to our newsletter to stay up to date on the latest happenings on the website. Thank you all for joining me one more time and we'll catch you all in the next episode.